You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. More man rush. Manning still gets pressure. Now there's Barkley again. A first down leaping over people. Saquon Barkley. First down for the Giants. He jumped over Adrian Amos, the safety, and he picked up 17. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Well, Grump, it's glad to hear you made it back from uh, Jerry World in One Piece. I did. Glad you still have your uh, <laughs> all your senses and you're, you haven't lost your mind after watching what we all saw on TV yesterday. So first... Congrats for making it out alive. And uh, thank you. My mind and body are together. My dignity is somewhere, somewhere in Arlington. Well, your dignity is not the problem, Grump. It's the uh, uh-huh. New York professional football giants that we have to discuss on this episode. So yes, this is our first 2019 game review. But first, just be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. You name it, we're there. Um, and also, the show has a Twitter account at Just Giants Pod, so be sure to follow everybody there. You know the drill. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, I just kind of want to go over uh, Texas because it was the first time I've been to Dallas. Uh, first time I've been to Arlington, so it's the first time I saw the stadium. And um, yeah, what were your what kind of your initial reactions of you know you've seen Jerry World on TV yeah. for you know cowboys and big college football games final fours all that stuff that whole area that metroplex area well i, I can go what's your initial of, thoughts yeah the, the good and the bad because there is some bad with it um the good is i mean it's a really big stadium it's it's really big in the sense that it's functional it's very spread out it's easy to navigate from what i was able to figure out the parking is kind of wonky uh but you know, once you get in from the inside portion, it's it's nice and air conditioned. Um, there's a nice little courtyard outside. It's streamlined. It works really well. Um, and and to be honest, if it were the Giants' home stadium, I'd be pretty proud of it. It's it's cool. There's there's fun things to do there. Like even if they are a little silly, but like there's like a screen where you can uh, where like famous like Dak Prescott is there and you can take a picture with Dak even though it's not really you know what I'm saying like yeah, you just yeah. kind of stand next to it it's just, they, it's just the fun little things that. they try to do that down in one of the gates like around like the I think it's the east sideline I think that courtyard entrance and they try to do it as well but it's not designed like this this no, is designed as this an is, entertainment center yeah, really well, is I mean, this is set up for like indoor stuff. So like there's like a courtyard outside and there's some outdoor bars and stuff. But inside there's so much room inside the building itself that they have room for this without it becoming a total nightmare. So that's pretty cool. It looks like when you're landing at DFW for anything, you just see this big massive building. Uh, you ever see the movie Contact? <laughs> yes. You know, like that big machine they made to try yeah. to like go into outer – it looks sort of like that. It's like such a futuristic – big thing that you know it just dominates the skyline yeah it's it's pretty cool um the bad i'll say there there, there's one big glaring thing that's a problem and it's not really necessarily jerry jones fault there's no public transportation to the stadium none and i looked it up and it has to do with you know arlington like rules and laws because they thought that 
public transportation would take away from – I don't know. I was reading about it, but that was a huge pain in the fucking ass, a huge pain in the ass. It's one of those areas, Grump. It's kind of like Atlanta and it's kind of like a lot of these places where it's not one city and not one transportation board that handles everything. You're dealing with Dallas and Fort Worth and Arlington and all the suburbs and you know, a place like Tampa – We've been to games before. There's no mass transit either, but you're talking about 60,000 people. Yeah. Dallas, you're talking 90,000, and it's everybody has their own car there. Everybody has a big car. It is a mess, dude. The, like, leaving sucks. Like, Ugh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the parking lot itself for the stadium is not very big, but there's a lot of small businesses around where you kind of share parking lots. Where yeah, like, there's a, the backside of the stadium. There's kind of like a big strip mall back there. I think we parked there for like 75 bucks or something dude, crazy. It is fucking terrible. That is that is the biggest shame of the whole experience, yeah. I got to say. Um, but overall, the, the stadium experience I thought was, was good. A um, little weird, some like empty hallways. I sat kind of down low. I was in like the lower tier. Um, and like you go down a stairwell and then there's just like in this corridor with nothing, yeah. just gray hallways. You go down and then there's like those hallway and then you go down from there into like mm. the food, like the conce- like the concessions don't go all the way around. They're like compartments, almost like an airport. Yeah, and like by your gate, that's where the food is. And you go down the little, so it, it's a little strange. And it's when you're ever there, like I was there for a final four and when you're down really low, like the temporary seats, it's even more confusing. So it's it's a it's a different place. It's very unique. Um, you know, they spend a lot of money in that place, and they get all the big events now. And you know, good for them. So the cranky fan and I go to away games. I guess as often as we can, right? Like we try to go to new places, not necessarily new stadiums, but like new cities. Yeah. Um, well, at least I I haven't traveled as much as he has, so I like to go to new places, whatever. And we tend to go to Florida just about every fucking year now. We play Tampa Bay, so um, there is something to be said for uh, away team etiquette um, and how to act. I had we're, the, talk, um, we're talking about the fans now. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about the team. Yeah. Um, so I had the misfortune of sitting next to somebody who I don't know, who was allegedly from Brooklyn. Um, here's something not to do. Don't bring a Giants flag and start waving it around like an asshole, especially when you're going to be drunk and hit people in front of you with it. I don't want to sit next to you if you're going to do that. The first thing, Grump, is as soon as you sit down and you see a guy next to you wearing, especially a away team, you know, you're wearing the same jerseys, and he, he identifies you as a fellow fan. He thinks all of a sudden he's your best friend. Yeah, no. And it's like, hey, it's cool. We're both Giant fans, but you can tell – Usually in the first 30 seconds, this is somebody I don't want to interact with ever in my life or be associated with. And New York fans, and I admit, you know, I am a Giant fan. I am a Nick fan, but I see it all the time. I lived in Florida for, you know, 15 years. When New Yorkers leave the tri-state area, they accent their New Yorkness. Yeah. They accent their accent. They accent their attitude. They accent the cursing. They accent the Joe Pesci character from Goodfellas. And it just, I don't know what they're trying to prove or something, but you go to a home game for a giant game or a jet game or a ranger game or a Nick game. That same person does not act the same when he's on the road. It's, I don't, you know, you're asking for trouble in these stadiums because 
You go to these places in the South or in the Midwest, they hate New Yorkers to begin with. And they're looking for a reason to beat the shit out of somebody. So I don't understand why these guys just, you know, first of all, for no other reason, this team sucks. We have no reason to say shit about anything. And to go in there and, and, and act like an asshole, you're really asking to, at the worst, get the shit beat out of you, or even maybe even worse than that, end up in the local jail because you will not get the benefit of the doubt from security and the local police. Well, I mean, like, so, you know, the Cranky Fan and I have a barometer for, for being a fan in general, and that is you're there for the game. Everybody is there for the game. They're not there for you. So never make it about you. Make right. it about the game. So when you come in there as, you know, in, in some kind of costume or getup, and I don't mean like wearing excessive Giants gear. I mean like dressed up like a football or, or later Lady Liberty or anything like that. <laughs> you're, you're a jerk. I, I don't care if you've got a shtick. I don't care. I, I'm not there to – you're not there to entertain me. You're there to watch the game just as much as I want to watch the game. I don't care. But especially don't do that at an away game. Right. Don't do that. And especially if you have some sort of shtick that if you say something and it gets a chuckle from the, the, local, the people around you once – is if that person says the same thing again or a variation on that same thing again, you know you're in big trouble because that guy, again, it becomes look at me. Mm-hmm. And look at me guy is more likely to get their ass kicked than I'm just wearing a jersey and just watching my team and rooting for my team. Yeah, so so here's some things you can do as an away team fan for anybody planning on going to an away game. You can cheer. If something happens, you can get up, clap, cheer. You can high-five other fellow fans. Don't boo. Just don't do it. There's no sense in booing when the home team comes out. You look like an idiot. Don't <laughs> – if you're going to get into a little spat with a home team fan, keep it real light and friendly and only react. Don't start it <laughs> no matter yeah. what. Just just stay as low-key as possible and enjoy the fucking game. People will rib with you and they'll joke and yes. but like and they do it with me, but I'm re- I just smile, I laugh along with them, I clown with them, I toss it back a little bit, but I'm never the one who initiates. I'm never tapping the guy in the shoulder or getting his attention when when there's a t- just don't do it. Just don't here's do a, it. Here's a great rule of thumb if you're an away fan. The second you're back is facing this field and you're talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are that guy. Yeah. If you have to turn around to the crowd and wave your arms or yell or anything, you have just crossed that line to being an asshole who's probably going to get beat up or arrested. So keep your eyes always on the field at all times you're doing anything. The second you turn around, that's an instant sign you're taunting and you're probably going to be in some a load of hurt. In any event, uh, we can get into the game now. I just wanted to do that because it was embarrassing for me to be sitting next to this fucking guy, and I paid too much money for too good a seats to to move on his behalf. So that's the thing. First of all, you don't want to be associated with that guy. So you know something? I take it back. Do all the things you said not to, so you get thrown out early, and we can enjoy the rest of the game. Yeah, but it just gives giant fans a reputation we don't need. We're not Philly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Please. We. We're not bringing coffins with with Sean Taylor's jersey on it before a game, which was really – I don't like Miami in the least, but that was maybe the lowest thing I've ever seen a fan base ever do or a Philly fan base. They really have the right 
to get their asses kicked by anybody for doing something like that. But don't be in that don't be in that same conversation with them. You're going on a road trip. You're going there win and get out. You're going there to watch your team. You're not going there to talk shit because you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, my only comment on the Sean Taylor is Sean Taylor is my favorite non-giant. I think ever. just I've never seen somebody so impressive play that position, and uh, so I don't know that that pissed me off on a different level. Just I really yeah. like Sean Taylor. So, and what happened to him was a fucking tragedy. So, yeah. um, anyway. Uh, the other tragedy was the Giants' performance against Dallas. <laughs> um, That's a good segue. So the the score ended up being 35-17. It was not all that close. Um, major things to come away with there. There are a couple injuries that, uh, we should discuss. Uh, Sterling Shepard is currently in the concussion protocol. I, I've seen reports from people saying it's highly unlikely he'll play Sunday. I don't I don't know that you can make that determination. I think the protocol is just a protocol that they have to get through and it, it everyone's going to be different. I'm I'm sure there's a good chance he doesn't play, but I don't think there's anything highly likely whether he passes or not. So I don't it's know. It's Monday. How, we don't we don't know anything at this point. Yeah. yeah. I, I I we don't know the degree of yeah. I, so don't don't get all screwy yet about that. I mean, it, this could be terrible news. He could be out for a month in concussion protocol. He also could be out in 3 days. There's no small. There's no actual window. He just has to pass the protocol. Um, Zeitler has an injury that that popped. I, I don't know what part of the body. All I know is that it was believed to not be serious. I don't know. Did you hear anything further on that? I did not. Yeah. Um, and Kareem Martin had a knee sprain. I believe he left the game. Yes. Um, you know, he's probably going to be day to day for a little while. I, I don't think that that's super major either. So relatively unscathed I guess from this from this game um <laughs> physically physically emotionally uh not so much I I mean th- th- they were really dominated mostly defensively and um it looked like a worse version of what I was expecting to begin with right well I was trying to compartmentalize I was as I was watching the game where how much can I say was similar to what happened last year on the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line clearly had not gelled and were not ready to play together? I'm talking about like the comparison of how bad the offensive line looked last year to how bad the defense looked. Now, how much of that is really just they need to play together as opposed to a st- systemic problem that we're going to have going forward? Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of both defensively. I mean – there's going to be growing pains in a secondary that's this new and this young. A lot of young pieces. Um, I think I think we talked about this all during training camp. Yeah, it's it it's been ongoing, you know, since we started to see the the bones of what was going to be a starting roster out there. Um, there's that, and I you know, again, the the pass rush is is something that looked pathetic, but. I don't think that playing against what is probably the league's best offensive line is going to be the best barometer. You know, I, I think it's a problem. I think we know it's a problem. I think it's something we know needs to be addressed. But also, I don't think it's as bad as we witnessed on Sunday. Because, I mean, going up against... I mean, name one bad offensive lineman there. I don't think yeah, you can. I, so. I, I was just more disappointed. Honestly, the problems I saw were in the secondary more than the lack yeah. of pass rush. I mean, Dak had all day. But it wasn't like... You know they ran the ball at will. Did you get yeah. that sense? I mean, they no, were no, not. No. Getting, they were not. You know, gobbling up nine, ten minutes 
uh, on these long drives because they were just grinding the ball. I mean, it was the passing attack is what was killing them. Yeah. Okay. So my my actual notes on this is that uh, this is a tough first test for a very young defense, right? The pass rush wasn't there, but it was always going to be a struggle. The secondary certainly didn't do it any favors, but it looked a little worse than I imagined. Um, I think the problem is what we thought. Young players, new players, poor communication, right? It's not as if they were just getting beat. It's that guys were running open all over the secondary. And it's not, again, it's not getting beat. It's nobody knows who's got who. And that's a fixable problem that I'm less worried about week one. Now, if this were happening week eight, I'd have a totally different story for you. But week one, this is kind of what I expected. And these are byproducts of not playing together in preseason. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And and that's a debate I don't know if I'll ever be settled on, whether to play your starters or not in preseason. I really don't know because the merits – I, I get it. I get it. Not wanting to risk injury. I, I think. I think my take on this is going to be because everybody is doing it. I'm fine with it. If we was like, you know, every team is doing what they used to do, you know, ten years ago, to get ready for opening uh, opening weekend, and I'm like, no, we're resting all the starters. Saquon Barkley's never going to play. Things like that. Then I'm considering. You know, then I'm wondering, are we behind the eight ball? But it, it's kind of a level playing field of how teams are starting the season. Sure. I and mean, if you. You went around the league and you watched all these games. You saw a lot of sloppiness and a lot of things that, you know, we watched these same matchups in week eight. Well, the teams that are behind the eight ball are the ones that have more new players in starting positions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sure – the Giants maybe didn't play their starters very often during the preseason and same with, say – fucking know the Patriots, but the Patriots have less new guys. You know, they don't yeah. need as many reps as like live reps as maybe the Giants do. So, so yeah, it's, Giants it's had a, a pretty Giants level playing a, field once you yeah, are had done a, rebuilding. They had to turn this roster over the Giants, you know, and that's what everybody wanted and everybody demanded. Well, the byproduct of changing over your roster is that there's less familiarity. Yeah. Um, I thought the defense did a good job of making the run look like it wasn't going to work. Though that's a little skewed because the Cowboys were doing more than enough damage in the air. I think they just didn't mind that they couldn't run the ball. Um, nevertheless, though, they stopped the run early on. It really was not going anywhere. You know, I thought I was in for it all day with some fucking idiot in a skull mask with a spoon, you know, pretending it, could, it pointed me out and, you know, started doing his stupid feed, whatever. I only had to endure it one time. And I'm not kidding. One time. He gave up his little shtick for the entire game because what was he going to do? Zeke, for the most part, was not getting more than two yards for most of yeah. the game. Yeah. Um, and that that was settled really early on. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. That, I mean, that's all I can really glean from this kind of bad sample size, you know? Yeah. Um, so defensively, I think that's what you got. Uh, the biggest problem for me from a – I guess play calling standard is trotting out Antonio Hamilton at corner. Uh, Oof, God, I, now brutal. here I am. I'm at the stadium, so I don't know what the fuck is going on, and I have no idea why. I thought Baker was hurt again. I, I had no idea why this was happening. Um, so I'm sure you guys were just as confused, but at least knew that you know there wasn't an injury. And then there I guess, was a lot of decisions that made us confused, which we're going to get into in a little bit. So that was one of them. Yeah, I, and may I, not have been the biggest one, but definitely a head scratcher. 
I, I suppose it makes sense if if you're considering that Baker suffered an injury early on in the preseason, didn't get a lot of reps, and they want to ease him into it. I, I just – I don't get it. you know. And if anything, I don't know why Antonio Hamilton and not Corey Ballantyne who got a lot of those reps in the preseason in his place. So I, I didn't understand any of that, and I think maybe the coaches are probably reevaluating that because Antonio Hamilton put on a true special teamer's performance out there. I mean, it was just. I just think this. You're going to see a lot of this all year. I think you're going to see, you're going to see series where the defense looks like it's got its shit together, and you're going to see series where there's just a busted coverage, and you're going to see games like this. So, I think when you get to week twelve and thirteen, you're going to see a little more cohesion. But we are still rebuilding this secondary. This is a bigger lift than the offense is. And I think the reason when you look back and if this team is four and twelve or or six and ten and say why do we have more losses and wins we're going to say is because of the defense. That's not going to be equal proportion to what the crying is going to be about with this team, but that's the fact. So moving on to the offensive side of the ball, before we get into that, I do want to bring back something that we do every year for game reviews, and that's stars and farts. for, for for people who didn't listen last year, uh, I think <laughs> a lot guess. of you. Yeah, Star, <laughs> stars we pick out guys who performed well. Farts, you know, probable causes for the loss. And the reason I'm doing it at this point, normally we do it before we go into the notes. I'm doing it at this point because it kind of meshes into what really went wrong in this game and what really went right. Um, so I I don't know if you picked out stars and farts for this because we really didn't communicate. I only just landed today. My flight was delayed. It was a whole fucking mess. So um, I will I will start with a fart. Go for it. Pat Shermer. Done. That's my number one fart right there. Uh, you know something? This is something we talked about on the show last year, and especially after the Atlanta Monday night game where for the first time I really questioned the decision-making, you know, play calling, decision-making with timeouts, personnel decisions, and it kind of manifested itself again today or, or yesterday. We're taping this on a Monday night. I'm going to also kind of build into this by talking about the Fox announcers, who I loathe. We we all know that Grump hates the Sunday night uh, Collinsworth and Michaels thing. I cannot stand Buck and Aikman. I think I think I think they're ass kissers. I think Aikman adds absolutely nothing. Correct. Nothing. He says when he's talking about this, you know, the, the Giants. It's something that if you, you know, listen to this podcast, and we're no geniuses. You probably know more about what's going on than what this guy did for any amount of research, and we're hardly professionals. Yeah. Added to the fact that he played for Dallas, fair or unfair, the perception is he's a Dallas homer. And when that fucker starts waxing poetic about how great the Cowboys are set up for the future and what a genius Jerry Jones is and if he could spend all the millions of dollars, I don't need to hear this shit. I'm not listening to K-Fan out of Dallas. This is a national broadcast where it's supposed to be, you know, the whole country is watching. So this is leading into my criticism right now, and it leads into the Pat Shermer thing. Can we stop calling Saquon Barkley a generational back until the Giants themselves treat him like a generational back? Saquon Barkley, I love him. Saquon Barkley is the future of this franchise. He is the face of this franchise. He has the potential to be the best offensive player ever on this team. 
and I'm talking about Frank Gifford, I'm talking about Phil Simms, I'm talking about anybody you want to talk about. He isn't yet. He is a highlight film right now. He has a couple of huge runs, but, and this is not to his fault, he is not the guy carrying the load for this offense, and there's no reason why he shouldn't. The fact that we went drives, plural, in the second quarter while this game was in reach still, and he's not getting any touches is unconscionable. I don't know if it's a decision that they want to keep him rested or risk getting hurt. The guy's 22 years old. He is your team. He is the only guy on offense right now, with the exception of Evan Ingram, who is a playmaker. You know, we we spent all training camp talking about the battle for the backup wide receiver, the fourth and fifth guy who's making the roster. Who gives a shit? When it gets to the regular season, you need your playmakers making plays. And right now, with no Golden Tate playing, we have two guys who make plays. And the fact that he's getting 10, 12 carries a game, and a lot of that's while this game was, again, still in reach, it's unconscionable. And Shermer has to give us better explanations than the garbage he was giving us yesterday. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I have to go back and look at the play drives and see, you know, him not touching the ball, or when it's like third and one, third and two, he's your best athlete. Why are you not having him run to get one or two yards or swing pass him or something, make something happen? It's something that's been, it's, it's been noted last year and it's trend starting already. And the fastest way that Shermer's going to lose not only the fan base, but the locker room is continue not using his best players. Forget all the bullshit about Eli shouldn't be playing anymore and Daniel Jones. That's irrelevant. The problem right now is we're not using the best players we have. All right. You just blasted through a lot of shit right there. And because <laughs> I agreed with all of it, I didn't have to interrupt you with, with the exception of one thing. I, I don't have a problem with Joe Buck's play calling. I think if he were paired with somebody that had something to say, it would work. Um, in the in the past, Joe Buck was real flat, real boring. He's not anymore. I think he's figured out how to call a game. But instead, he's he's essentially talking to an inflatable. He's like the the, the autopilot from Airplane. That's what Troy Aikman is <laughs> because he says nothing. And you're right. He says absolutely nothing. Nothing. And, and it, it sucks to shit on him now for for um you know getting on his knees and blowing Jerry Jones for the way the team is set up for the future because. They are set up for the future now, and they do have a really good team. But he's been saying this shit since 2009 when they were yeah. not good. They were not set up for anything, and they were in last place. So, you know, this seems like griping from rival fans, but it's really not. This He's not a good broadcaster at all. Nevertheless, everything else you said, I 100% agree with. Now, I, I have Pat Shermer here as my top fart, and I have Saquon Barkley as my top star. Because Saquon Barkley on eleven carries gets a buck twenty. Eleven carries, a buck twenty, add in four more catches for nineteen more yards. Now, if we had look, look, offensive this is all on Shermer. I don't get the play calling. And until he tells me that Mike Shula's doing the play calling, I'm gonna blame him. Off- and stop right there. Yeah. What did I say the second they hired Mike Shula? No, you said it. I agreed with you. This guy, I remember 20 years ago in Tampa being an atrocious offensive coordinator, and that town wanted to burn him in effigy because they hated Mike Shula. But I don't think he's doing anything. 
I don't think it's on him. I think Pat Shermer's doing the play calling. I think Mike Shula was brought in to figure out the the backups quarterback situation and then train that guy. Mike Shula, I think, right now is 99% focused on Daniel Jones. That's his job. Daniel Jones. That's your focus. Last year, it was Kyle Olet. They brought him in because they knew they had to figure out what to do for Eli's successor. They didn't have him then. They had Kyle Aletta at that time. That was his job, Kyle Aletta. And get Eli Manning accustomed to whatever offense that Pat Shermer was going to do. That that project is done. Eli is in Pat Shermer's offense. Fine. Now his job is Daniel Jones. That's what I truly believe. I don't think he's doing a lick of offensive coordinating. I really don't. I, I don't know if you do. But this looks to me like every Pat Shermer offense we've seen. That's why I think that. I mean, if you just look, you know, Especially with, when you see Dallas is just marching down the field at will, you have to slow the game down. It's kind of like Giant fans remember Super Bowl 25 against Buffalo, where they score so fast, they pick up yards so quickly. We had to have ball control, slow the clock down, have the ball for 40 minutes. Now, granted, we don't have nearly the personnel to do that, but if you're passing every down, that's going to make the you know your time possession hurt even more. So I I just think it was just a, a a bad you know reaction to what was happening in the game, and I don't oh, think yeah. it made anything any better. No, so here here's my thing. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what you game plan for. If it, I don't care if the whole if you go up against a team with the eighty five bears in the front five or six, and the whole secondary is a bunch of JUCO players. I don't care. I, when your roster is set up like this, where you've invested in your offensive line and a running back, it's second overall pick on a running back. I don't care what that other team has on the defense. You're going to run the fucking ball until they figure out how to stop it. Until they yeah. stop running the ball, there's stop, stop you from running the ball. There's no excuse for the way this game was called. I legitimately think that this game would have been much closer if they didn't voluntarily take the ball out of their best player's hands. Yeah, I have a note right here that says 100% reactionary. And that's how I felt this game was coached. I, I, they just rea- I we mean, reacted to everything that happened. We didn't dictate anything. I agree. I also think that – I think that's correct. I think, oh, oh, it's 7-7 now. Shit, we got, we got to start moving the ball downfield. No, just keep being you. This is the roster you have. This is the roster you built. It's the roster you have. This is the way you have to play games. You don't want to be put in a situation where you're dropping back to pass often, especially when your best player is not being stopped at all. So, you know, I know that – I've already seen it on Twitter like 800 fucking times, the fourth and one play where they called an Eli rollout or whatever. I actually don't have a problem with that play call. I don't care what anybody says. I think it was fine. Uh, You know, I think, you know, this is a separate debate and I'm not going to get into this because I think it's a poor excuse. But there was definitely some kind of pass interference, uh, illegal contact where I saw Sterling Shepard get run over. Just straight up run over. Doesn't matter. The point is, it should never have even been fourth and one. Because on third and one, we decided we weren't going to run the ball. I don't understand that. I don't get it. Um, I think Eli played fine in this game. I think when 
when it was there, he pushed the ball down the field. There's plenty of evidence to that if you look it up. But I don't think this game was called to push the ball down the field, which is what I fucking said. In order to beat this team, run straight up the middle. Don't run side to side. You can't outrun their linebackers. Push the ball down the field. Test their secondary deep. They didn't do that. When they did that, it fucking worked. I think, very, it's ama- I, I, I think it's really amazing, Grump, that – all of these people on Twitter, they're complaining about why are we just dumping up the ball. They must have had a live look in at the All-22 film, which isn't available yet, because I couldn't tell on the camera you know, shots that Fox do where guys are open or not downfield. I mean, you were there. Mm-hmm. Was he just not seeing guys open downfield, or was there nothing being – Given to him, especially when they, we were down, you know. It's not that nothing was being given to him like they're covering it. It's that they weren't running routes down the field. There's a lot of crossing routes where, again, I said that a lot of, you know, you, you've got like a curl, a slant, and then, you know, somebody's just going into the middle of the field with, I guess, maybe an option route. Um, and they're just that that's and, and a guy running out to the flat. Th- those were your schemes. It's very, very much 11 personnel, which is weird because. That's very McAdoo offense, and that's not what we saw from Pat Shermer offense last year. We saw a lot of two tight end sets, twelve personnel with you know heavy sets, running the ball a lot. Um, you know, obviously a lot of screens, but you know we're not really that team anymore. We we saw the play action and push down the field last year. I don't know why it wasn't there in this game. I don't get it. Um, so it's not as if it was being taken away. We really weren't trying to test them deep, and I don't get it. I, I mean. I, Listen, I couldn't so much as coach a Pop Warner team out of a paper bag, I don't think. But, you know, everything I look at when I look at this Dallas defense is don't go side to side, please. That's what they want you to do. They want you to run towards Demarcus Lawrence. They want you. They want the middle clogged up so that their linebackers can run up and make a play. We, vol- we let them have it. But here's, here's, here's my point, though, and I started to say just before, is that you couldn't tell that if you were watching on TV. You, all you saw was Eli dropping back, looking downfield really quickly, and checking off, and checking off, and checking off, and checking off. And all the, the vitriol you as we're going in real time and then post-game and even today is Eli's washed because he's afraid to throw downfield. No, yeah, go ahead. By, by all means, guys, you find me more than two to three plays – any, any more than three plays, and I'll accept it as a valid reason that, that Eli did not play well. Three plays where he had something downfield open because yeah. I didn't see it. You know, I, I saw him push it downfield when, when he – and I mean, like, Cody Latimer made a great play. He wasn't really necessarily open. They just tested it. Believe me, these are the same assholes that would be all over Eli if those are picks. Yeah. Oh. Same ones. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a no-win situation with some people. Um, yeah, I mean – there was nothing that Eli did positive or negative that made me say, you know, and I'm not doing this referendum every week. I know all you guys out there want to do it. I'm not doing it. And I'll say it one more time, and I'm not saying it again. Mark my words, Giant fans. Eli Manning is the starting quarterback on this team until the Giants are not are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. That is the way it's going to be. That is something that the owner wants, the general manager wants, and the head coach wants. That is something that Daniel Jones has not been prepared for in the offseason to this point is to be the starting quarterback. 
they are not making any sudden changes in week two or week three because the offense, because the defense is playing bad. <laughs> we need to make a quarterback change. It's not happening. So you can blow out all the servers and Twitter all you want. You can get, you know, an ACL tear in your fingers from typing it. It's not happening. He is not going to be the starting quarterback of this team until they are mathematically eliminated. They're well, not. I don't know if they'll be mathematically eliminated. They probably will be. But if they're 0-8 going into the bye week, because I think that's when our bye week is, I could see that as being that stop, whether they're mathematically eliminated or not. Fine. If they're 0-8 going into the bye I mean, week. I think but that, even at 8-8. Yeah, you eight, all know what my point is. Yes, no. As, as long as – and I said this to somebody on Twitter, and I apologize. We had a good back and forth today uh, talking about different things. Everybody in this league, it's a performance league. Jobs are on the line if you win or lose. It is, you know, Pat Shermer does not have the pedigree that Tom Coughlin had when he benched Kurt Warner and brought Eli Manning in in 2004. Tom Coughlin coached the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to two AFC championship games. People respect the guy. He has a pedigree and a track record. Pat Shermer so far looks like a doofus. Pat Shermer does not have the political capital to make bold moves like that and get away with it. Ownership doesn't believe it. I don't think Dave Gettleman believes it. So for people who are saying, well, Eli started when they were, you know, three and four in, in 2004. Yeah, it's a different remember, situation. And remember also, Kurt Warner was brought in as a one-year, truly as a mentor, to when Eli was ready. This is not – it's a different situation than having a guy like Eli Manning, and we all get it. The only reason he's still on this team right now is what happened seven, eight, ten years ago. We understand that, but that's the way it is. Hmm. So it's just not happening, guys. You know, I, I like that he came in in garbage time. You know, if that's a time if you're going to get him, just get his feet wet and get it. It was his first NFL game. You know, get some of the cobwebs out. You know, get some of the fear out. That that's perfectly fine. There's no co- quarterback controversy. Eli's our guy. I, I I can't say anything to that. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Shermer's not going to risk his job to bring in a rookie who's not going to give them the best chance to win. This is now year two of Pat Shermer. And fair or unfair, people will be calling for his head at the end of this year and at the end of next year when they're struggling and they're still rebuilding. He doesn't have the time to all of a sudden say, you know, everyone's got my back. We're putting in his quarterback. does not give me the best chance to win. They made a decision. Eli Manning is the best chance they have to win, and that's what they're going to go with. They're not going to develop a quarterback for the next GM and the next head coach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is their plan. I think they have a three-year leash because they didn't draft a quarterback in, in year one. I think, I think you know, the Maras are, are looking for steady progress, but they, I don't think they're looking for a home run year two. I think that would be outlandish of them to expect given what they had to do, and I think they, they have a year three leash. They're not going to fuck it up year two. They're not yeah. quite at desperation mode yet. So. If, their expect, if the Maris' expectations was a home run in year two, they would have demanded that they drafted a quarterback instead of Barkley with the second pick. Correct. 
that shows you kind of the timeline that they're looking at. I mean, coaches have a much shorter timeline because the average coach in the NFL coaches for three, four years most on the same team. So they're going to do what they think is their best chance to make the playoffs. And believe me, every single person in that coaching room, every one of those 46 or 45 men on the roster are thinking playoffs right now. Now, if this was Miami, where they're all trying to, you know, jump ship, different story. But not this team. Not yet. One of the things that they did prioritize in this rebuild was obviously getting a, um, a big-time talent at running back. Not necessarily at running back, but just the best player they could get their hands on and revamping the O-line. So how did you think the offensive line played in this game? Again, admittedly small sample size, but versus what we saw in Dallas last year on, I think, a Monday night. Or Sunday night. Oh, I'm not God. sure. It's Sunday night. <laughs> I, I referenced it earlier in the show. I mean, this defense looked as bad as that offensive line did in week one last year. I mean, you know, any offensive line with Eli Manning is going to be a problem. He's going to make offensive lines look worse because he has no mobility at all. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he fumbles when he gets hit now. Those are the, the – and no one's disagreeing that about Eli's game. Agreed. They, we don't think he's Peyton Manning 2006. We know he's Eli Manning 2019. But that's also going to make the offensive line look worse than it actually was. I think the offensive line played fine. I, th- I, I mean, thought that they looked good. I mean, especially run blocking. I mean, Barkley was ripping off chunks of seven you know, or more routinely. Routinely. You know what else? You know what else? And you probably can tell me this because you could see it better than I could, but – Look like the wide receivers are doing a good job blocking downfield too. 100%. Evan Ingram, the wide receivers. I mean, if you look at um, Barkley's big run, the second play from scrimmage, um, I I can't remember if it was Cody Latimer or Sterling Shepard. Somebody was downfield. It was Latimer, I think, was running downfield and making the block. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the whole offensive line pass blocking and everything looked pretty damn good. I mean, that was – you know, I, I'm not going to put them in the top five, but I would say that looked like a top ten offensive line performance. I'm not, and I'm not lying. If, if if they had run the ball more, this would I would have more ground to stand on here, and I would sound a little less ridiculous. But I can tell you, for, from my vantage point at, at sort of an end zone spot, I didn't have to look at the screens to see it. the holes were so wide open. It was not. It looked like a college game at times. You know what I mean? Where you see Alabama playing. I, I don't know, Georgia State or, or you know, somebody like that. Hey, nice dig at our Tennessee fans. That I like that, right? Um, good work. But uh, it, it looked like that where it's just like, oh, here's a home run. Every time. Uh, even, even the little – because you know a guy like Barkley. There was one play where you could see him just jump into a tiny little gap and he's off to the races. That's all he needs and that's what he was getting routinely. I mean he averaged 10 yards per carry. Obviously, that he has the one big run to skew that a little bit. But again, I think if he were given more and more carries, he would have kept doing it. I'm telling you. I can say the same thing about Barry Sanders. I can say the same thing about any of the elite running backs where, you know, the elite running backs make those big, big runs. You don't see Joe Schmuck ripping off 70-yard runs. I mean, yeah, it takes I mean, an elite talent to have them the opportunity. You're not going to get the opportunity every single run to rip one, but when the opportunity presents itself, the elite running backs in this league will do that. Well, well, here's here's what I'm going to say. Uh, 
average yards per carry is both a, an indicative and an indicative stat. You have to look at it in context. It's indicative because even if Barkley does rip off a 60-yard carry and it, and it skews everything, if he does that every game, then that's just part of who he is. You know that if he's getting enough blocking, that it's coming eventually. That's one thing. The second thing is, if the context behind it is that he's getting negative two yards, zero yards, one yard, then okay, fine. Your average yards per carry is pointless. But that wasn't the case in this game. He was getting five, six yards per carry besides that big one. So in context, out of context, I don't care. He was averaging 10 yards per carry. This offensive line did a great job, and I don't have any pressure statistics right now, but from what I was watching, it looked like Eli had plenty of time. He was able to get things, you know, rolling. They just didn't push the ball down the field. I don't know what else to tell you about that. So what I think kind of is I just – I'm going to play, you know, armchair psychologist for a second. I don't think this coaching staff has much, still much faith in this faith in this offensive line yet. I don't think they have much faith in the wide receivers that are in right now. Well, they better get there. some. Well, that's, that's getting to my point. I mean, if you're going to coach scared, this team can go 0-16. You have to. First of all, you know, if you're going to coach scared – the, the the 2007 Patriots are, are going to lose every game. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Whatever. Um, in any other game, I would normally add Evan Ingram to my stars list here. For 11 catches for a buck 16 and a touchdown, that's pretty good performance. And if you watched his run blocking in this game, I think it was something he's – I think now he's finally able to shake off that that stigma of being a bad blocker because I haven't seen it for some time now. Initially, his rookie year in a different offensive system, I think you could make that claim. I haven't seen it in a while where he's he's done a poor job blocking. So, you know, Evan Ingram, hats off to you. You get a fucking star. There you go. Um, I don't know. Did you have any anything else on that? I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> I think for a lot of Giant fans, I think when you go through an off season and like Grump and I went to the town hall and you know. They blow so much smoke up your ass. You look like a chimney. You, you know, you watch every day. You watch the reports at a training camp and you're hearing everybody is the next Jerry Rice. Everybody's the next Saquon Barkley. Every offensive lineman, you know, is the next Hall of Famer and stuff. The battles, like I alluded to before, who's going to be the fifth receiver is kind of like, is it going to be Jerry Rice or Steve Largent going to be the, the receiver? You have no context relative to everybody else in the league. You have this little bit of an inflated, like, oh, yeah, this team can't make the playoffs, you know? And you kind of like, oh, all these media people think the Giants aren't the 28th best team in the league, the 29th best. And sometimes something like this just is like a splash in the face and says, you know something? This team is in the middle of a rebuild. This is not the finished product. I mean, people are ready to, to can Gettleman after last night. I mean, you think this is it? You think this is this for is a fifty three man roster and that's it? This is the best we're gonna do. We are probably maybe a third away from where a third of the way into this turnaround of this roster. I'd I think, say I think, there, I think we're two thirds of the way in there. I think I think the offense looks just about the way they want it without you know maybe you know obviously they they have their I mean we could do a whole episode on this but real briefly yeah. I think I think they have you know a good 
backbone of an offensive line that they want, missing maybe a piece here or there. And, uh, you know, Gettleman's a guy I think every year is going to draft an offensive lineman or something or obtain one. So I think he's got a good backbone there. I think he maybe wants to add something in the outside. And he's got his quarterback of the future there. I think mostly what they need to do is just keep adding defensive pieces. The special teams looks fine to me. Um you know? I think they. I think they still need to upgrade more the receiver spot. Also, yeah. Well, that's what I mean on the outside. Somebody else yeah. there. But yeah. For the most part, I think. I think that's that last third is really revamping a, a pass rush. There, I think the secondary they have is a good backbone of what they want, but it needs time. Maybe it's yeah. a, a piece away in the safety spot or a corner spot or something. But for the most part, linebackers that can rush the passer is what's missing. Yeah, and that's true. The biggest pieces that you know people you know you're not seeing it. They're not on the field. They're not doing what they need to do. Daniel Jones isn't on the field yet. The secondary is very young. Is, is they're going to have to on the job training? Look, look, this is this is getting to be kind of a long episode here, but it, it's important because this is the first game, and this is where overreactions start. And just to clarify that we're not overreacting. These are we're not trying to anyway. I guess uh, th- these are these are problems that we had last year that are continuing this year um and uh i I mean i think they need to be pointed out and i'm also at the same time shutting down the false overreactions i think and that's what i'm trying to do anyway yeah i think the concerns that we brought up we think are valid concerns that are not simple fixes either i mean i'm gonna bitch and moan about pat Shermer, and i think my frustration with him is gonna grow over time because i don't think he's a very good coach but I'm not calling for him to be fired 17 games into week one. I mean, I don't know. I think he'll have a longer leash than uh, Ben McAdoo did, for sure. But, you know, that's a problem. You know, the, the problems we saw on the defensive side, they're not going away tomorrow. And they're not going to be solved by firing James Betcher or firing, you know, Dave Gettleman. We... We know what this team is, we think. I mean, we're not – this is not overreaction Monday. It's not underreaction Monday. We just have to kind of, you know, stay the course with this team. We, nobody thought this team was making the playoffs. I don't think they're Miami bad. I think, I think – Wait, this, wait, that, that's a really good point. How many of you even thought that this team was going to win this game? Right? <laughs> I mean, like, that's why I'm saying, like, all these things – it's a small sample size, guys. The offensive line played well against a pretty good defensive front. You know, that's a good positive sign. I'm happy with that. The defensive pass rush didn't play well against one of the best lines in the league. You know, I'm not ready to crucify them for that because that's a tough test for a new unit. You know what I mean? It's important to keep the sample size in check, and that's what I'm trying to do when I say these things, that the yeah. pass rush looked weak, and I think they need to work on it. But I'll learn more as the, as they start playing other opponents and we see them in action more. I think the talent level on this team is a lot better than it was two years ago. Yeah. Both what's on the field, what is being groomed to be on the field, and in some circumstances, some of the depth. Again, like I just said, we're not done building this team. It's going to take a little more time to build it. I also think this team, while the record may not reflect it in November, will be significantly better than than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Significantly is a relative term. I mean, not significantly enough they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot, but significantly better where you're not going to cringe when you see a ball thrown over the middle. 
That's what I mean. Yeah. I saw some things on Twitter yesterday. Oh, the deadline. Janoris Jenkins has to go. You want this to be a complete sieve back there? I mean, he's a stabilizing force on this team. They're probably going to overpay to keep a stabilizing force in the secondary, but there's no Janoris Jenkins on this roster back there. You're going to see some arena scores. You don't want that. Speaking of arena scores, you know we don't know what we're heading into on uh, ne- on next Sunday as the the Bills come to town um, again. They were just here yesterday facing the Jets, where they had a come from behind victory. Which I you know don't spoil me, please, because I'm going to do some some game film watch to find out how the fuck that happened and what we need to watch out for. And I'll have all that analysis for you with the cranky fan next. Or uh, this upcoming Friday on our next episode for week two preview. So be there for that. I might even throw some tidbits on Twitter where you can find me at football underscore grump. Catch me as always at the cranky fan where, you know, we're talking about obviously giant football. We're talking about my top 10 Florida Gators. We're talking about my wild card leading Tampa Bay Rays. My first place New York City football club. I'm making fun of Florida State and Tennessee as always. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. So uh, follow me. I appreciate everybody that I was back and forthing with today. Back and forthing. It's a new word, Grump, put that in the the dictionary. Writing it down. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, we appreciate it. It was lots of good conversation. Um, I'm very happy that the people that we're kind of talking to and stuff are very educated giant fans. I I have to say, the, the, the people that have come out and said to me, like, I listen to your podcast every week are brilliant. You guys really are not the fans that we complain about at all. No, 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 and 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 you know we may not agree one hundred percent on things, but the people that we do talk to are have good opinions and good takes and things that maybe we just you know philosophically don't agree with. It's not like the the jackass who you know sat next to me at the game. Yeah, for his twelfth birthday, got a Twitter account and just says stupid things. I mean, I've, I've I'm really happy that we have a very smart. Uh, followers out there now granted half of them are probably family members but you know that's okay <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone until until this weekend go giants, go giants.